Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good to have you. So Pastor Andrew found something that uh, we'll share with you. So in just a moment, we're going to pull up a little video. And it's, this is the dumbest thing. It's just dumb, all right? I'm just telling you right up front, it's just dumb. So, but uh, it's kind of fun. So you get to pick which wise man you think is going to get to Jesus first. It's like the wise man race, all right? So that's what this is. So they'll pull up. You can pick red, blue, or green. So go ahead and get that video started, and uh, we'll give you a chance to pick. How many of you think red? How many of you think red? Okay, we have a few. How many of you think blue? Blue wins. It looks like green. Okay, more blue than, than green. Red was the last one. So here it goes. This is the race. See what happens. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Green wins. <laughs> okay, Joe, come on. <laughs> that was it. That's just, oh, my goodness. What we do to entertain ourselves. In a, uh, <laughs> Pay you for the entertainment, right? That's what we do on a night like tonight. Yes, I don't. I'm not. I'm moving it out of the way nervously because that's that's what I do. All right. Well, we are going to sing um, "Angels from the Realm of Glory," right? Yes, "Angels from the Realm of Glory." Angels from the Bye. 
Midnight Clear. This song always reminds me just of that story with the, sh the shepherds and just how shocking it is. I don't know if you've ever been on a farm or had to do anything with, with cattle or with sheep, but it is boring. Nothing happens, and especially, especially uh, at the time of, of Christ there, there wasn't city lights, there wasn't city noise off in the distance. There was nothing. And then all of a sudden, something unexplainable shows up and says, hold on, don't be afraid. I've got good news. And then it gets bigger. I mean, probably if these guys weren't already spending all their days out in the field, they would have had heart attacks. I mean, this, this is pretty exciting stuff. And uh, that's what they're glimpsing here when it came upon a midnight clear. It came upon a midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts of gold. He Things have been happening, and um, 
I always, always like that, the little anticipation energy of this song. As we sing We Three Kings. Oh. 
it doesn't end with the previous verse, but with that glorious yeah. final. Yep, I agree. Thank you, Mr. Joe. All right, let's see what we have in the way of prayer requests. So there was, back in when I was in college, yeah, they had college back then, um, we had a version of that song, not a version of that song, but we had a song about the wise men, so I can only remember bits and pieces of it, it was like this, once upon a cold December, many long years ago, three important king took time, kings took time to travel a year or so, over mountains, through deep valleys, traveling awfully slow, they took Time and pains to find him a long time ago. Anyway, with no compass, esso maps, or help to guide their way, no galoshes, scarves, umbrellas for a rainy day. You get the idea. You get the idea. It was like I can't remember the rest of it, but it was that kind of a thing. So put it in perspective. Skeet is home again. If you did not get that, so tell us, give us an update on Skeet, Carol. Insurance is mandated that he stay in house for rehab, correct? So he'll be there until after New Year's. Ellis that you can look him up in the directory. He hasn't been here in a while, but 
his wife passed away. Her funeral was Friday in Anderson. What do you have for me? surgery today and bladder cancer is back and that's out in Washington State Vicki King leaves tomorrow for Arizona so I know it's going to be a lot of traveling so pray for traveling it's, that's all happening Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your blessings, for the opportunity to be here. Pray that you would be with Skeet. Keep him encouraged and lifted up. Thank you that uh, they were able to get that uh, drain tube removed, that one, and just ask that uh, you heal up the rest of them and get all those that infection cleared out of there. Uh, be with uh, Miss Hazel tomorrow as they're replacing that lens. And Brother Ed is next week as he's having back surgery. And be with the Blythe as they're traveling with... Uh, Bob Ellis, watch over him as well, and the loss of his wife, and be an encouragement to him. Uh, just uh, be with uh, all those who might be traveling. Be with Miss Brenda, help them figure out what's happened to this finger, and be able to get that fixed without uh, any major ramifications. Be with Miss Andrea tomorrow, that uh, the pathology report would be what we'd like for like to hear, and they can have her released and offer restrictions. Be with Becca's dad, as he's had surgery, and bladder cancer has returned, that you just watch over him. Uh, be with our teenagers as they're uh, meeting throughout. Be with the uh, Awana kids and with the college students as they're meeting in different places. That you just uh, bless them as well. And we uh, bring Christmas before you and the different services that we have coming up that you would just uh, bless those, bring people in. May uh, be an encouragement to each and every one and the gospel go forth and have souls saved through that. Uh, bless our time here together tonight as we study together, and we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, tonight and next week, next week actually finishes up this uh, nine-part series uh, on what makes a healthy church member just in time as uh, next week. Then we go in, I think the following week after that will be, um, that may still be December, we'll be getting ready for the new year. So, 
uh, as we're getting past Christmas and the holidays. So uh, looking forward to all of those things. <clears throat> but this is the what makes a healthy church. And I've said this every week now. I've only got today and, and uh, next week to go, so I may as well say it again. We're not talking about your physical health, right? Talking about your spiritual health. And we're, our goal is to uh, become healthy church members, uh, to allow God to... Uh, to build up this body of believers through the people who make up the body. And uh, so those are choices we make. Uh, I, this, is, this is unique, all right? Uh, think about this for a moment. M- many of our health issues are DNA-related, right? They're hereditary. You've got heart issues. You've got, you know, whatever. It's because... You know, your parents had it, your grandparents had it, diabetes, things like that, that are kind of passed down. Well, when we're talking about being a healthy church member, our DNA is from our Heavenly Father. Do you understand? So we have, no, no, we can't blame it on that, right? Our, this, our health as a church member is literally our choice. It's up to us to make the choice to become a healthy church member. And uh, so... It's just kind of an interesting thought as we work ourselves through this. So this is the one that you're not going to like, right? This is just the way it is. A healthy church member is a disciplined member. Uh, and uh, I, I like that um, guy exercising there. I, I, we have, how many of you have a piece of exercise equipment that has become like an extension of your closet? You hang clothes on it. Dry towels on it. It's a good place for the, you know, for the sweaters to dry out. That kind of thing. So we have, over the years, we've had several different pieces of exercise equipment. Right now we have one I actually like, and we've had it for a couple of years, and almost once a month I get on it. <laughs> I'm committed, you know. <laughs> and no, I, I do try to get on it occasionally, but it's it's a uh, what do they call those kinds? Elliptical. There you go. It's an elliptical, and uh, so. It's an interesting one. You know, you can, you can walk through the mountains if you want. You, it actually has, like, I don't know how realistic they are, but, you know, if you want to hike the Himalayas, you can. If you want to, you know, it's, you can just punch in whatever you want. And it'll, it'll let you do all the things, and supposedly it turns up the, the heat, right? So I don't know. But anyway, so he says, And herein do I exercise myself, and this is an amazing thing, to always have a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now, that is going to take a lot of hard work. To do everything I can not to offend God and do everything I can not to offend other people. That is going to, I mean, to, when, when, when this is spoken, it's like that is going to take a lot of exercise. Would you agree? I mean, all of us, we offend God regularly. Uh, and we're going to, until this mortal puts on immortality, there's always going to be that offense in there. We're going to have to, to work toward that. But, you know, is it even possible to have your conscience? Let's talk about my conscience. Not talking about, you, hear me out. It's not talking about your conscience, right? If I offend you, that doesn't necessarily mean I've done. My conscience might be clear, right? Uh, that's, some of it is on the other person, right? Jesus, Jesus said... If you follow me, men will, you know, revile you and hate you and say all men are evil against you falsely for my name's sake, right? So uh, the, the, the Apostle Paul declared that the gospel is an offense to people. And so, uh, you know, it's not talking about that no one ever gets upset with this. 
It is that it's talking about our conscience, that we know that what the offense is is not on our part, right? That's the idea, that we're, you know, we are exercising to make sure that we're not going to offend God and that we're not going to consciously, openly, you know, offend God and that we're not going to uh, offend human beings. That's not an easy thing. Uh, and that's kind of what this is all about, becoming that disciplined church member. It's going to require some discipline. And none of us really like the concept of discipline, but we're going to work ourselves through it. So that word exercise, ashkeo, uh, is, has two parts to it. So it's train and then that sweat and bleed side over here. Uh, but the training concept is work out, keep fit, aim and focus. It's, it's, um, it's the idea that, you know, um, when, if you've ever had the wonderful time of exercising ever, ever, uh, I'm not talking about when you were a kid. When you were a kid, it probably didn't happen much. If you, most kids don't get sore muscles. You understand? Now, they may get cramps in their muscles from overdoing it. Uh, they may have, you know, leg cramps at night. When I can remember that as a kid. That's just because I never stopped. But it's not like I, I, you, know, I you know, ran too much the day before, and I wake up and I'm, oh, I can't hardly move. But as an adult... You know, now that if I, if I go and exercise, whew, that next day, it's like, that's, that's a lot of, it, you feel it. But if you go back and exercise again, and exercise again, and exercise again, eventually, the soreness goes away, right? Because you are exer- you're working out, you're keeping fit, and what happens is your body develops muscle memory. So help me here for just a moment. What is something that you need muscle memory to do well, drive, right? Most of us, aren't you glad? It, it is funny when you watch the person who does not drive by muscle memory because they're literally consciously thinking about everything that's happening. They're white-knuckled, and they're like, uh, and, they're, and that person's going to be in trouble, right, whenever they have to hit their brake because you don't have time to say, lift your foot off the accelerator, push on the, you don't have time to do that. It's like you've got to react Muscle memory needs to kick in. So most of us at this point in our lives have developed, you know, muscle memory in our, in our driving. Now, sometimes that makes us lazy drivers, right, because we think our muscle memory is going to kick in all the time and, and we're not paying attention to allow our muscle memory to kick in. But, you know, um, driving is one. Give me another one. What's another example that you need, you need muscle memory to do well? Basketball. All right. Uh, think about this. Here's me. Here's me on a basketball court. They throw me the basketball, and now I'm, I'm that guy saying, okay, I'm supposed to make sure my elbow is... And, you know, I don't know what I'm doing in a basketball court. By the time I figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, they've already stolen the ball, and they're down there making another shot. You know, it's like, what happened? But if you've, if you've practiced, you know, you get that ball, you dribble, you do... And it's amazing to watch somebody that does that. It just kicks in, right? It's muscle memory. Uh, muscle memory allows them to do it well. Uh, not that you know other people couldn't do. It. I mean, I'm, I'm, especially in my younger days, I'm fairly physically fit. I've just never been able to do basketball well. But you know what? I never played basketball much, and so you know, I grew up in a football family. We played football. We played baseball. But those were easy to do. You didn't have to have special equipment like a hoop. We didn't have one. You know, all you had to have was a ball. And so we could do those kinds of things, and that's what we did. Uh, but anyway, uh, muscle memory. What's another thing? Typing, okay. Well, unless you type my way, then it's same either way. Tick, 
I am a hunt and peck, you know. I can type fairly fast as long as I'm looking at my fingers, but, you know, that typist or playing the piano would be another one of those examples, right? You, if, you're, if you're sitting there thinking about what you have to do with your fingers, the, the singer has already left you. You know, the, they're, they're, they're singing and you're still going, hold on, I'm trying to catch up. Uh, it doesn't work very well. What's another one? There's a couple of really big ones. Walking. And think about this. We don't think about walking, right? Most of us, I mean, it's unconscious, right? We just get up and walk. Now, when you get older, sometimes, okay, lift the foot, John. Put it in front of you. Make sure it's solid before you take that next step. You know, I mean, I understand that, but we don't do that. We just get up and walk. It's muscle memory. We do it well because we've spent hours and hours training, allowing ourselves. I thought somebody might put, because we have a lot of gun people here, right? Shooting a gun. Don't you want that policeman or that soldier to have muscle memory? He cannot at that moment when here comes, you know, the only thing between you and the guy who's about to kill you is the police officer. You, want, you don't want him saying, okay, now, let me see, how, how is that to aim that again? <laughs> you, don't, you don't want that. You want muscle memory to kick in. That happens by hours and hours of training. Put this on a spiritual plane for a moment. How do I get to the place where my actions are not offensive to God or other people? If every time, because life comes at you at 120 miles an hour, right? how do you get to the place where you can do this if we've not developed muscle memory? if we've not taken the time, spiritually speaking, to work out, to keep fit. So let's just have a little, um, a little um, you know, open forum here. Help me out. What would working out spiritually? Let's, let's, uh, let's pick a topic. Let's work out on uh, not offending with my mouth. How do I work out? How do I keep that fit? Okay. So just having that, um, you know, that trigger that says, oh, oh, I need to be careful what I'm going to say. So, you know, some, something that we can do. The Bible. Give me, give me some Bible verses about the, our speech. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. Okay, so... A soft answer turns away wrath. I've had people say to me, Pastor John, I tried it, it didn't work. <laughs> so God's a liar? Is that what you're telling me? God's a liar. God's wrong. I'm sorry, God, you misunderstood. You must have misspoken because I tried it and it didn't work. So wait a minute, what's the problem here? The problem is that, you know, the concept of a soft answer turning away wrath isn't like a one and done. Right? Oh, I gave a soft answer, now it's all over. It is developing a consistency of giving us all offensive. So how do I do that? How do I work out? I practice it all the time, right? I practice it. I practice it when it doesn't matter as much. I practice it with my kids. I practice it with my wife. I practice it with the people at church so that when I'm out there in the world and it matters to my testimony and somebody you know, is saying something and I'm tempted with that rash answer, I the soft answer just rolls off the tongue because I've been practicing it 
right? That's the idea. Give me, let's do another spiritual discipline here and see how we can get to muscle memory on some of these things. Um, how about, um, okay, I'm going to get, I'm gonna get uh, personal, right? So don't, you don't have to answer out loud. I'm just asking, this is a rhetorical question, so just think about it. How many times have you decided you're going to start by reading your Bible regularly? How many times have you decided that? And you do for about three weeks, and it goes by the wayside. And then you try it again, and it goes for about four weeks, and it goes by the wayside. How do we get to muscle memory? How do you do it? You don't think about... You, you know, I, I can just about guarantee you, if you stop to think about it, you could probably answer this question. But the problem is you never think about it. Not problem. The point is you never think about it. When you get up in the morning... You have a morning routine. You don't consciously say, okay, I'm going to put my right foot in my pants first, and then I'm going to put my left foot in my... You don't, you don't consciously think about it. You just put your pants on. It just happens. I mean, b- before you know it, you're walking out the bedroom, your hair's combed, your teeth are brushed, you're fully dressed, and if somebody said, how did that happen? Give me a step-by-step. It would just about kill you to come up with a step-by-step because it's just become so much a part of you that you don't even think about it. That's going to be the same way like reading your Bible. Until we just, we, do, we put our pants on every day, right? We brush our teeth every day. So we don't have to consciously stop and think about, do I, do I wet the toothbrush first or do I put the toothpaste on first? I don't know. Uh, and, and what's even more important, I don't care, right? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I don't know. It just happens. I don't think about it consciously. And until you know, it, it becomes muscle memory, we don't even think about it. We just do it. You know, before you know it, we're in the car driving. Have you ever done that, by the way? Have you ever just like, gotten somewhere and you're like, wow, how did I get here? And it's not like you just spaced out or anything. It's just that you just were walking through the routine, and you did everything that you did, and all of a sudden you realize you're, you're there. You're where you wanted to be. But if you had to put the process together, it would take a lot of thought because you didn't think about it. You were thinking about a thousand other things while you were doing it. It became muscle memory. That's this discipline that we would train ourselves. We would be so trained that our spiritual strengths become muscle memory, spiritually speaking. That we just, we read our Bible because that's what I do every morning when I get up. I, I pick up my Bible and, and I read it. It always makes, you know, makes me nervous when somebody has to find their Bible to go to church. You know? Oh, it's Sunday. Where's my Bible? <laughs> and I can almost answer that. It's right where you left it last Sunday. You know, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, this is how we develop this. And it's, it's called discipline. And it takes a lot, which brings us into this other side. How do I get to the muscle memory? I work through this side over here. I strive. I struggle. I endeavor. It's not easy. It is not easy. I've never run a marathon. Anybody here run a marathon? Ever run a marathon? Anybody, nobody in here is running a marathon? We have people in church running a marathon, but nobody in here right now. Uh, Adam's sitting back there. He's running a marathon. Uh, but anyway, um, they, uh, you know, I, I've never done that. But what I know is uh, when Pastor Andrew was preparing for the one marathon that he's run, he said, Pastor, I've run my first and last marathon. Now, I don't know. He may talk himself into another one. At the time, he was like, I'm done. Uh, but 
Here's the way it started. About three months before the marathon started, he started dieting and running every day. And he literally like downloaded this schedule from online. It said, you know, the first day you run, you know, a half a mile. The second day you run three quarters of a mile. And then the third day you run two miles. And then the fourth day you run one mile. And, and it goes back and forth and you're just flip-flopping back and forth and you're adding it up and you're adding it up and you're adding it up. And so, you know, the week before the marathon, you're running 13, 14, 15 miles in one day. You never did run the 27 miles or 26 point some miles until the day of the marathon. Uh, it was kind of an interesting thing. But the point is, every day he would come in, and it was like, it was a struggle every day. It was, it was something that he had to put a lot of effort into. It, it didn't happen. Because when you're on the marathon run, if you don't have muscle memory, you ain't making it. You understand? It's not going to happen. At some point, your body your mind kind of checks out and your body just takes over. And it's just all muscle memory. This is what people tell me. I don't know. I've never done it. This is what people tell me. that you know Your body just takes over. You just do it because that's what you've been training for. And so it takes... Spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. We're not going to have victory over sin just because one Sunday we came forward and said, Lord, please forgive me. And whoa, we're done. It doesn't work that way. We have victory over sin because it may start on that one Sunday, and then we strive, we struggle, we endeavor, and we work out until we're developing a new pattern in our lives, uh, a, a new muscle memory, because our flesh is still there, fighting against the Spirit, right? It's still there. And so we've got to let the Spirit be strengthened and the flesh uh, be beaten down here, and it's going to take that. So it brings us to Romans chapter 8. I put this on most of the slides. I want you to catch this. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, what's the next phrase? But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. I, we, gotta, we can't forget this. We're not talking about you and I gutting it out to our spiritual walk. Because we have no power to live spiritually. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Everything we have to offer God in our flesh is tainted by our flesh, and it's nothing. But God has given us his spirit, and empowered by the spirit, I can now put myself on a new exercise program, which beats down the flesh and strengthens the spirit. And that's what we're talking about. Through the spirit, we need to learn this exercise program. That's the, that's the uh, introduction to this discipline. Here's one example of discipline. Let all things be done decently and in order. Do you think that um, <clears throat> it takes discipline to be orderly? Some of you, I've been to your homes, and you are very, very ordered and organized. And it's fantastic. Some of you, I've been to your homes, and you're not, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to be, I'm not, not trying and and. You know, I, have, I, am, I, I fit both sides of these equations depending on where I'm at in my life. You know, I'm just being honest. So it's like uh, I'm typically not the most organized person on the planet. So uh, that's not me. But the, the reality is that godliness requires the discipline of order. Now, hear me. We're doing this in the power of the Spirit, right? So what does order look like without the Spirit? Because it becomes fleshly. What does fleshly order look like? There's actually a 
There's actually a medical condition described by this. Say it again. OCD, right? I want you to understand, we're, God's not asking us to become OCD. OCD is about us, right? Because OCD is about control. It's about, I'm going to be in control of my life. So we're not encouraging OCD. We are encouraging godly order. So OCD is about us, right? It's about, I'm going to, I've got to have this in order to survive my life. I've got to have order. Uh, no, that's not the point. We've got to have God in order to survive our life. But... Because we have God, we should then begin to organize our lives, our, our finances, and organize our schedules, and organize our, you know, and so that we, we should be able to be decent and in order. I, I teach a class of 29, 28 uh, uh, high schoolers, and I can tell you the four kids who will be late almost every single morning. So if you can be consistently late, if you can be consistent, right? If you're consistently late, then consistency is not the issue, right? The issue is order. All you have to do is leave five minutes earlier. You know, it's amazing to me how many varieties of excuses and or how many traffic accidents these kids run into. I got stuck in traffic. I got stuck in traffic. I, you know, have you ever noticed? That traffic is heavy when you're leaving. Maybe you should leave a little earlier. Because, I'm sorry, it's not like, you know, you just happen to be stuck behind the one accident out there on the road every single morning. No. If you can be consistent, then you can be consistently on time. And, say it again. Traffic magnets, right, exactly. So, you know, this concept of being, just, I'm just giving you one example. It takes discipline to have a life of order. Can you imagine what, it, what it's like, what it would be like to enter into a church where chaos rules? Right? Wouldn't you just love to go into a church like that? I, I'm not talking about, you know, where... I, I'm really honestly not talking about, you know, talking about like a hallelujah church where people are shouting and stuff. That's, you may consider that chaos. I don't know. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where... It's just that the church doesn't know how to get things done. You know, so, oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, who, who's the special this morning? Have you ever been to one of those churches? So who's the special this morning? Uh, we don't know. Oh, okay. Well, sister so-and-so, come on up. Nothing's been scheduled. You know, nobody's doing anything. It's just chaos reigns, and it just, whoa. Uh, in order for the body to work well, you have to have decent and order. Look what Paul said to Titus. For this cause, left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. God wants the church to be ordered. God wants our lives to be ordered. Uh, in Isaiah, God talks to Hezekiah, and he says, uh, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order. Why? Because you're going to die, Hezekiah. You're about to die. Set your house in order. God's a God of order. It requires discipline. Now, discipline's not fun. It's not. Uh, I, I, I love, I, I'm just being honest. I'm going to be transparent. I like chaos. I do, but I recognize that chaos is flesh, not spirit, but I like chaos. I, I thrive on a lot of noise. Have you ever noticed I'm kind of noisy and I'm kind of like all over the place? Ah! I mean, I, I like that, but that doesn't mean it's a godly trait. It just means it's what I like. And so God wants us to be ordered and, and decent in order. So then there's these two 
aspects of discipline. And uh, this is the part that you're really going to hate. But there's a positive side of discipline, and there's the, I don't want to call it negative, because I'll tell you why in Hebrews 11 when we read that verse. But there's a positive side of discipline, and there's a side of discipline that we don't like. The positive side is the voluntary, right? I want to lose weight. I want to get in shape. I want to look good for the wedding that's coming up, whatever. And so I put myself voluntarily on a diet, on an exercise program, and while it's painful and difficult, I, I bought into the idea, and so it's, I'm, I'm there. There's a personal commitment to it. I'm, I'm ready. Come on, let's go. Uh, I've invited accountability. I you know, go to the gym and have somebody be a personal trainer or whatever, and I'm, I'm ready to go. So, so while it's difficult and hard, it's a positive for me because I'm doing this, right? I've chosen it. Then there's this other side of discipline. Uh, this is how our kids feel. They didn't choose it. We're thrusting discipline upon them. We're telling them what they're going to do. We're telling them how they're going to get it done. It's not voluntary. The, the commitment is from somebody else. It's not from us. And while we have accountability over here, which we've invited in, hold me accountable. Make sure I'm doing this. Help me do it right. What we have over here is requirements. You know, dad sitting there, you know, here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to do it. Uh, and, and it becomes a requirement. Both of them require endurance. But one of them is easier to endure because I voluntarily, in, voluntarily entered into this. Now, I'm going to tell you, spiritually speaking, which of these do you think you're going to enjoy the most? But you're going to get both of them. This is the point. You will get both of these. But we're gonna, if we want to enjoy the ride, then we need to fall in on this side and say, okay, Lord, I want to be like Jesus. And I'm, I'm entering into this voluntarily. And while I know it's going to be painful as I have to have things cut out of my life and I have to exercise you know, moral discipline and discipline in my mouth and discipline in my thoughts, and, and th that's not fun, but I've, I, I want it. I've invited it. And so while it's not fun, I'm setting that goal. I'm pressing toward that mark. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 that you know, what God considers good is anything that makes me like Jesus, right? We have a God. Read Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good of them love God, them are called according to his purpose. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow them, also did he predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Everyone who calls on Jesus as Savior will one day be like Jesus. Now, we can happily cooperate and enjoy the ride, or God will spank us into submission, drag us kicking and screaming, but we're all going to be like Jesus once we've trusted Christ. How we get there is up to us, right? We, we all have had, you know, if you've had more than one kid, you've probably had both sides of this, right? That one kid who says, okay, help me, I want to do this the right way, and the other kid who you have to just, it's just a constant, right? It's a constant of trying to get that kid to submit and, and do things in, a, in the right way. Now, for most of us dads, the right way is our way, right? Be reasonable. Do it our way. But, uh, you know, God wants us to do it the right way, seriously. They all involve endurance. We have to endure it. But here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12. No chastening, either kind. No chastening for the present seem as joyous, but grievous. 
Whether I'm voluntarily in there, I'm sweating, my muscles are hurting, I'm trying to get in shape, I'm trying to lose that weight. It's not fun when I'm on the diet, but, you know, for the present, it's seamless, it's, it's, uh, it's grievous. Same way with if I'm being punished, right? If Dad's spanking me, if he's taking my phone away for three weeks, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's, that's what's happening over here, and they're grievous. But look what it says. For the present seem, uh, no chasing for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them, them which are exercised thereby. So we have this chastening, right? Whether it's, we have this, you know, this exercise to godliness, this discipline that we have to be put through, either voluntarily or we're being dragged, and none of it's fun, but when we get there, it's always worth it. That's what God's saying to us. It's always going to be worth it once we can get there. So, you know, as we're, as we're just trying to rein in. So if I want to um, <clears throat> exercise my, my, my um, self to a spiritual walk, let's, I'm trying to think of another example. So let's say I want to, um, I want to quit letting my body rule. Right, so uh, I'm a firm believer that you should not let your body tell you when you get up, or when you go to bed, or how much you're going to eat, or when you're going to eat. It, those things get us into trouble, right? Our body will, our body's not a good master here. It's not. Uh, I mean, most of us, when we wake up, we don't want to get up. Most of us, you know, not some of us. I, I am a morning person, so. I actually like getting up in the morning early because I like having, I like that quiet time. If I want to have quiet time when, I mean, it used to be that it was my kids, right? I, if I wanted, because J.D. was like the moment my feet hit the floor, J.D. was hot on my heels. That just was the way it was. And it was like, how can I sneak out without waking up J.D.? Because I needed that time, you know. But uh, as the church grew, I mean, we live right here. Do you know how many days that there's nobody coming to the church to do something? There's, it's, it's virtually seven days a week that somebody shows up at the church to do things. And so if I need and want quiet time, you know when nobody comes to church? Five or six o'clock in the morning, nobody's here. It's all mine. It's glorious. And so I'm, I, don't, I like getting up early. I don't mind that. But not everybody's that way. You know, so how can we develop these? Let's just say this one thing. I'm not going to let my body decide what, I, what, what and when I eat. Now, you know what my body likes? I love sugar and I love caffeine. I like sugar cereals. I like sugar food. I like, I like sugar when it's not really sugar. Like you know that bread and pasta is really sugar, right? I mean, I like sugar. That's what I like. I, 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 you know, if it's white and bland... Not bland. I like spicy, but if it's white, then I probably want to eat it. You know, it's that pasta, bread. I love that stuff. I could live off of that. I just couldn't live well off of it. Do you understand? If I want to be healthy, at some point, something green's got to come through my, you know, across my lips. At, at some point, there's got to be some protein in there, right? I mean, otherwise, I'm not going to live very well. So if my body's the determining factor, I'm in trouble. At some point, I've got to discipline myself to say, okay, body, you've had enough of this. Do something else. Get up when you're supposed to get up. 
go to bed when you're supposed to go to bed, right? Uh, I mean, we, we've got to dictate to our bodies. When the, when the Apostle Paul said that we are supposed to beat our body into subjection, he's, he's really just think, simply saying, don't let your, quit letting your body tell you what to do, right? Because the teenager who can't tell himself no, that he's not going to eat, will not be able to tell himself no when he's alone with that girl when he shouldn't be and his body is screaming at him and he's in the habit of letting his body tell him what to do. You see how this works? That's how it works. So we exercise ourselves to this kind of godliness. So either way, we're going to get there. So that's, uh, let's, I'm running out of time, so I've got to keep moving. <clears throat> let's walk ourselves through Hebrews chapter 12. I love this first one. Verse 4. Ye have not re- yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Here's what God's saying. You think you've fought some sin battles? You've not, it's not cost you anything yet. You've not resisted unto blood. He's like, you know, you, all, all we've done is like, oh, that hurt a little bit. So, no, 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 that's not the way this is. You know, he says, you've got a long way to go, God says, before you get to, where you, to get to that disciplined place. It, it takes resisting unto blood, right? Uh, most people, you know why it is that many people you know that you've looked at and you think, man, they could have been a professional athlete or they could have been really something on, on the football field or really something at any discipline. Pick one. They could have been a really good at this. Really, good. You know why they didn't get there? It has nothing to do with talent. It has to do with work ethic. They didn't resist under blood. It got a little harder. Like, oh, that's enough for me. I'm done. You know, if you want to be good at something, you've got to resist the blood. And spiritually speaking, the same way, God says, hey, you haven't resisted the blood yet, striving against sin. And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, here's the exhortation, despise not thou the chasing of the Lord, for, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. We have a God who loves us. And so when God steps into Stop us from doing what our body says. I want to do this. You know, we literally are the children in this equation, right? And so when our kids are like, but I want ice cream. And we have to be the adult in the room and say, you can have ice cream after you've eaten your vegetables, right? We have to be, that, we have to be the adult here. That's God. I mean, we should not despise that. Because just like us with our kids, God wants what's good for us, for whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's what God does. He, he loves us. So he steps into our lives to, you know, to push us and, and, and correct us and do all of these things. This is what he does. And it requires discipline. It's not fun. It's not. Uh, most of us, most of us are in this room are old enough to have had uh, some really good dads, right? Now, not that we had perfect dads. In fact, I'm going to guess that many of you may have had unsaved dads. But you had dads that taught you how to work, dads that wouldn't let you get by with just anything. And, and listen to what you know the Bible is going to say about this because it's really important. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as a son. For what son is he of whom the father chasteneth not? But if look at verse 8. I didn't say this. God did. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, all sons, then you're bastards and not sons. And a bastard means, in our day and age, an illegitimate son. You know, so, but in 
the Bible understanding of it, it means this, a pretended son. It's someone who's pretending to have a relationship. I don't, I don't, I don't discipline your children, right? No matter how close we may become in church and all, I don't discipline your kids, your kids. Uh, I discipline my own kids. And now, I grew up in an era where that wasn't always true, by the way. I, I was telling this morning, when, when we got together as a family, like family get-togethers, any one of my uncles had spanking power over anybody. It's just the way it was, and, and uh, that's the world in which I live. So if we were out there and my cousins and I started fighting and my uncle was the one to interrupt, you know, we, we were both going to get it. And my dad would back him up 110%, right? They wouldn't, didn't come up, what are you doing touching my son? They didn't do that. I remember one time we are in a supermarket, and I, I, was, I don't know. I have no idea what I did. But whatever I did was annoying my mom, all right? I don't, I'm just being me, you know, but it was annoying my mom. And this guy, who was a total stranger, says, son, you better start obeying your mom or I'm going to take care of this. And I'm telling you, my mom would have let him. She would have. That was, that was how I grew up. I grew up in that era. Where it's like, and you know what? I started, it changed the way I was behaving, at least for that moment, in the supermarket, because I believed him that he was going to do something about it. And nowadays, they'd call security and he'd be taken away. <laughs> but that wasn't back then. That's just the way it was. God says, listen, uh, my children, I deal with them. I deal with my kids. And if I'm not dealing with you, then it's probably because you're not one of mine. But I deal with my kids. And uh, he's very clear about that. God wants us to be du- become disciplined. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And, and we give them reverence. We remember our dads, even though they weren't perfect. My grandfather, my mom would tell the story. I have no idea if this is true, but she would tell the story. The kids would get in trouble, and they would never tell each other. She's one of eight kids. And my grandfather knew how to do it. So he'd line them all up, and he'd, he'd find a pretty good-sized stick or a brick, and he would pray, Lord, help this brick hit the guilty one. And he'd start to act like he's going to throw, and somebody would flinch. And that's the one he'd go after. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that. Uh, you know, it's like, okay. There you go. But you know what happens is you look back on that, and all of a sudden you're like, you have reverence, you have respect for them. They may not have been perfect, but it's like, my dad was teaching me some things. And God says, if we can do that with our earthly fathers, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? We have a God in heaven who loves us so much he gave his only begotten son. When he steps into our lives and smacks us upside the head because we're not acting right, we need to understand that this is that God. And if we're going to reverence our, godly, our earthly fathers, why shouldn't we reverence God much more? For they barely for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present. Now we're back to that verse. Seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth peaceable fruit of righteousness. So, this is the lesson. Are we being disciplined in our walk? Because good church members, healthy church members, are disciplined church members. Is, are we organized? Are we doing all things decently and in order? Are we approaching life? Are we approaching our spiritual walk? Or is it haphazard? I mean, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir here because it's a Wednesday night. But um, you know, here you are. It's uh, you know, many many Christians never 
grow very much in their walk, right? Because here's their spiritual discipline. They're hit and miss in attending church, and that hit and miss is occasionally on a Sunday they show up, right? And then they wonder why it is that they're not getting much out of their, script, their spiritual walk. There's no discipline. It's not happening. So that's what uh, this healthy church member will do. All right, Pastor Andrew has back there, I think there's four. We're almost done with the candy canes. But uh, if you don't know what's going on with candy canes, let me explain it. There's 3,800 candy canes uh, that the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is passing out. Each of them will have you know, an invitation to Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And it will also have one of the... Uh, one of the cards from Chris Miller that has a, a, a QRC code that they can, it takes them to a presentation, video presentation of Plan of Salvation. So, uh, and they're passing them out to every student in the high school at FC because it's club day Friday and they're allowed to do this as a club. So uh, anyway, uh, they're just about done tying those ribbons onto the, uh, candy canes and things. So there's four boxes uh, sitting on the table out there that have ribbon, candy canes, uh, and uh, here's the key. We need them back tomorrow night because Friday they're passing them out. So if you're available to do that, like to take some, um, he would really appreciate it. All right? Father, discipline us this week or help us, Lord, to discipline ourselves so that we might bring glory to you and have a life that honors you. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.